How many of you would like to believe that you could get every single prayer you prayed answered? Amen. Can I ask you, is it possible? Yes. It absolutely is. There are things, let me say it this way, and I think you will agree with this. How many of you have had times when you got prayers answered and you're like, okay, what did I do right? You know you did something right. And, you know, it isn't like learning to pray, and I, I wished I could learn from a book, but there's a lot of information in books. You don't learn to pray until you do it. And if you do it enough, you're going to have times it looks like they're not getting answered and times they are. And you're going to walk away and go, okay, what gives? Well, that's the time that you pray. Heavenly Father... Show me how to get my prayers answered all the time. You know, the fact that we're born again and we can walk in a throne room and get a, a God that can do anything to do something is incredible. We call it a miracle. Every answer to prayer is a miracle. But you know, you and I will always have times in this world where there's things you can't do. I don't care who you are. And as much as I would like to pray, uh, I wish I had a magic wand, you think I do, but I really do not. I could wave it over your head and get you your prayers answered, but there isn't one. Jesus didn't have one. He couldn't even get, it, get people healed in his own hometown. So there are reasons that we get prayers answered and reasons we don't, and some of them are pretty simple. And the Lord, I, I went to the Lord and I said, okay, you know, there, there's more to this. There's more to this, but I want to be able to make it plain and he showed me how to teach it to you. Thank you, boy. That's exciting. So anyway, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And um, I think verse 10. 1 Corinthians 3.10. We're going to start off. We're going to have to deal with, with um, a misconception that we have all had about prayer. Um, I'm going to teach on, um, let me just tell you, let me tell you where I got my info. I'm going to, I stole it. But whoever told me, whoever put it on the internet, put it up to be stolen. How many of you have ever heard of a guy named Dr. Paul Youngie Cho? You know, the, you know, it's one of those God things when you're, when you're studying something and and, Paul, and, a, and, a, and a person you hadn't heard of in 10 years pops up on YouTube in front of you. And you go, is that God? I mean, that he wasn't even looking for that guy. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And I kind of think that God has, a, he can actually maneuver YouTube. And he's a fact checker, but he gets it right. So I began to watch Dr. Cho preaching on prayer. And since he has a million people, I thought that he might be worth listening to. And if you want to know more about than what I'm talking about tonight, go on it. He, he, he's got some fantastic stuff. But anyway, anyway, he talked about Americans coming to South Korea and, and, and praying. And he said, it's pathetic as all get out. He said, after 10 minutes in Prayer Mountain, they don't, they don't know what to say, but hallelujah. And he said, those are preachers. I don't know what to do with the Christians. But, 
But anyway, he, um, he, 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 he taught, he was teaching on a thing called tabernacle prayer. He made a statement. He said, I was in Taiwan once, and the Lord spoke to me and said, if you want powerful prayers, learn to pray tabernacle prayers. Now, you all know how he talks. He, his English is, yeah, it's, you know, and I walk around the house choking, and Lisa will look at me and go, don't talk like that. Don't, don't even try to act like Dr. Cho. And so I did Norval Hayes one time, and Justin got on to me for that, and so I finally just gave up and decided to be Daryl. Anyway, so he started talking about praying. The Holy Spirit told him to go to the Old Testament and learn how to pray tabernacle prayers. Now, before I do, I, I'm going to say something to us that we need to hear it. The Old Testament um, is, is not a trash can book. We weren't supposed to throw it away. Because the Old Testament can't save you doesn't mean it's obsolete. Now, y'all need to know that. The Old Testament is still true. It just couldn't bring new birth. And we're going to talk a little bit about Ten Commandments tonight. So is thou shalt not murder, is that kind of like legalism? No, it isn't, is it? How about thou shalt not steal? Is that legalism? How about thou shalt not commit adultery? Is that legalism? You see, we want to we brand any time that, that God says you need to obey him. Well, that's legalism. Well, that was exciting. Because Christians, there's a mindset in our, in our culture that says because I'm saved, that's it. That is completely not true. You've got to eliminate a lot of Bible to believe that. But, but it's convenient, as I'll get out, and people like it because there's no responsibility at all. And so we're going to talk about a certain responsibility that God has placed on us if we want to get a presence. And we had three people. Y'all the same three that said amen during offering. First Corinthians um, chapter 3, and I want to start with verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, a wise master builder, I laid the foundation, and another builds on it, but each one take heed how you build on it. So we should take the foundation of Jesus and build. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid but Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, or wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved. Say, thank you. Aren't you glad that if you mess up, you still don't go to hell? That's exciting. They got it more than three people. We had actually had nine people. So. Yet though by fire, do you not know you're the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of you. We're going to study the tabernacle in the Old Testament. It actually is a type and shadow of you. It's a type and a shadow of the church. Now, they had a church in the wilderness, and God told them to build a tabernacle and told them how to build it. Now, one of the things we're going to study when we get into it is in order for the high priest to go into the Holy of Holies, he had different places he had to go. Different 
stages in order to get into the Holy of Holies, and he didn't skip any. He, he wasn't allowed to. We sort of have the idea we can just kind of skip around the ones we don't think we like in there, but you're really not going to get very far doing that because God's, you're, you're not going to enter into the Holy of Holies. And so because of that, uh, he, Dr. Cho made some statements there, and it took me back to times in my life where I had phenomenal answers to prayer. And you know, when you get an answer to prayer, you look back and go, well, I did something right. Go back and remember what you did. You may want to do that again one day. Okay? So a lot of times people will look at me and go, Pastor, I'm having a terrible time. And I, and I get it. My heart goes out to anybody going through a trial, especially in sickness, disease, hospital. My heart goes out. I mean, I, I hate sickness like you do. I hate poverty. I hate it. But sir, so often we're limited in what we can do for you. you have, there's things you have to do. I couldn't get saved for you. I can, you know, there's people that we've talked to about the Lord. You can't pray that prayer for them. You can't do it. As bad as you want to, you can't do it. Neither can the Lord. So you and I are going to have to learn how to pray. We're going to have to learn how to get in. And I'll tell you how you know you're in. Your, your prayers are being answered. If they're not, don't get in condemnation. Just listen. Well, that was th those same three again. The same three. Okay. Um, go to Exodus 26 in the old. Let's go to Exodus 26. And um, I got so many notes here, and I have so much color on my page. Now I really don't know what I'm doing. I, you know, you, it's possible to overstudy. I don't know if you knew that or not. It's 26.1. Moreover, you shall make a tabernacle with ten curtains and fine woven and blue and purple and scarlet threads and fabric and designs and cherubim. You shall weave them. In other words, in the, in the Old Testament, he said, I'm going to build a tabernacle. And I'm going to read a scripture to you. I'm not going to tell you where it is. And there I will meet with you. I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. And between the two cherubim which are in the ark of the covenant and everything which I give you and command you to the children of Israel. In other words, they had a, an ability to go in, to go into the tabernacle and get any prayer answered. I mean, the, Moses got food in the desert. There's no food. He got water. There's no water. He got protection. He got a cloud by day to cover him. He got a fire by night. In other words, the, the going in to talk to God, they got stuff that was not, not you couldn't get it. There wasn't a 7-Eleven anywhere around or a Walmart. Now, you, know, you and I ought to be able to, this old covenant, imagine what we could do being the new covenant. Imagine what we could get if we could actually learn how to go in. So, so one of the things that he said is that in, in, the, old, in the tabernacle, and I'm going to go down the, I'm going to go down the list here for a minute. The very first thing that they ran into or you walked into was what was called the brazen altar. Now, they're all symbolic. Every step through the tabernacle toward the Holy of Holies is a place you're supposed to acknowledge something. What is the brazen altar? It is the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The first thing you are to do when you want to get a prayer answered is you need to stop what you're doing and begin thanking God and acknowledging everything that was given to you at Calvary by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we call that confessing the word. But God has this thing about the fact that you need to start off with every prayer, that this is not getting answered because you are good. You are not going to do anything to get him to answer your prayer. You're coming in with the acknowledgement that all everything you're going to get in this time with God is because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're going to start your prayer time off, the Bible says in everything give thanks. We, we come into his presence with thanksgiving in our hearts and into his courts with praise. Now listen to me carefully. Don't skip it. Don't run into the throat. Just slow down just a little tiny bit because you, you need to sit there and go, Heavenly Father, thank you that I'm redeemed from the curse. Thank you, that, thank you that he bore my sins. Thank you that without the blood of Jesus, I don't have a snowball's chance in hell. Thank you that he went to the cross in my place, died and went into hell in my place, and you raised him from the dead to make me righteous. Thank you for everything that Jesus did. Thank you for the brazen altar. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the mercies of God. Now, somebody said one time, how does a person pray an hour? You could pray an hour on that. You, you could just take off. There's, just, there's something about you bringing to God and reminding him of what he did that gets his attention. You're thinking, well, he don't pay any attention to me. Oh, he will when you go down that road. You see, any time that you think God owes you something, forget it. You're, you're coming out with no more than you walked in with. That's the reason why, as a believer, you can only be saved by confessing Jesus. There ain't any other way. It is Jesus alone and nothing else. Not water baptism, not going to church. Listen, it's Jesus and nothing else. And, and you know, that, that, what that, you have to be humble to say, I cannot save myself. I've got to put my faith in something you did for me. You came here. You walked the earth. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You sat down at the right hand of God, and because of that, I'm saved. Now, that's, that's the first place you go into called the brazen altar. Um, there's, there's, there's been too much using faith like works. Well, I confessed it a hundred times, God. I don't care if you confess it a hundred thousand times. You ain't getting in because you did something. You're going to acknowledge I did it. You did it. And that's humility. So the first thing is, the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Now, now that's the first step. Don't take that one lightly, and don't blow by it. God resists pride, and he exalts the humble. You stay in humble. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me slow down a little bit so I don't get too fast. When I got born again, you, you, you won't understand what I'm going to say unless you were a heathen. There's a scripture that says, he who's forgiven much 
loves much. Now, I already knew I was going to hell. That's why I didn't go to church. I thought, well, I'm not going to put myself in harm's way by walking into church. Wow. I already know I'm damned. I mean, I'm going to live my life. I ain't going to waste it on Sunday morning with a bunch of crazy people. And so whenever you think that way, when you know you're a sinner and you know you're lost, and then one day you find yourself in a crusade and you get born again, you're excited. God, I'm not going to hell. Every night when I went to bed, every night, I was, you say, are you a fanatic? Slap yes. I'd lay there and go, thank you, I'm not going to hell. Thank you, I'm not going to hell. Thank you, I'm not going. That's exciting. When you know you're going to hell and now you know you're not going to go to hell. You, you could actually be an on fire for God Christian with nothing more than John 3, 16. I'm not going to hell. So, so the, the brazen altar is that place where you come in and you get real excited about what Jesus did. That's step number one. Are you all ready? There's more than one step. The next one is where we're going to spend a little tiny bit of time. Yes. So let me, before I do that, let me do that. How many of you have ever read about repentance? Not many. It's not a, it's a curse word in American churches. Repentance, isn't that kind of like Getting in the altar and telling God you're sorry or something like that. There's something that preachers deal with in America. Is the grace message has created a looseness in the body. Yeah, I'm saved no more. Well, that's kind of like Lisa and I say, honey, I haven't seen you in a week. I'm, I'm married. Leave me alone. You're married, Lee. You got a legal document, but you know, I mean, I, I just want to know if you meant what you said when you said you'd marry me. I meant what I said, honey, and I'll come home when I get darn good and ready. How many of you think that might be just a little bit strange? That sounds like Christians. I kind of do what I want to here, and I'm just glad I'm going to heaven when I die. And there's way too much of that. So what does the word repent mean? Because the Bible says repent and believe the God. It means make a decision. It just means make a decision. So let me ask you a question. How long does it take you to make a decision? When I got born again, I didn't, I didn't go, you know what? I used to sleep with 10 women a year. Now I'm down to nine. <laughs> I'm improving greatly here. I'm going to tell you, I'm blessed. I used to steal $1,000 every week. Now I'm only stealing $900 a week. Bless God. Thank you, Jesus. Is that right? No, that's not right. Making a decision means you made a decision. When I made a decision to marry Lisa, I'm, I meant what I said, and I said what I meant, and I made a decision, and I have not changed my mind since that day. You understand Christianity is a decision. You know, even... even um, 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 what's the preacher? Billy Graham. I mean, his magazine was called Decision. Because, because being a Christian is when you go, just as I am, if you would please, I want to make a decision. And, and, and you are supposed to know that you're making a decision to be a Christian. And then God is meeting you, but the decision to be a Christian doesn't go away at the altar. You're still decided to follow the Lord. 
That means that there actually should be fruit to prove you made a decision. Now, I mean, I have people come here, and I'm, not, and I'm not being ugly with people. Just listen as I say this. Pastor, you made me feel condemned because I have a boyfriend. No, that's not you're condemned. It's called conviction, darling. You're not supposed to have a boyfriend. You made a decision. Well, but, 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 but what am I going to do for food? Well, I thought there was this thing called faith in God, not faith in you. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? And, and, and some, somehow or another, we've got this thing mixed up that we can kind of progress. You know, hopefully after about 10 years, I'll, I'll stop. No, I think you ought to just stop. Well, what, what happens if I starve to death? At least you go to heaven. You won't. You won't. Kenny, Kenny I, told on, I told on you the other day, and, and, and you weren't here to hear it. But I told him how you started tithing. And, you know, there, there's grace there's grace in some areas. And I think, get me, tell me if I'm wrong. He, he said, he, I think he started with you, your check, hers. She made less money. So, she, so the two of them started with not tithing, but tipping. But they found out they didn't go broke tipping God. And, you know, God had mercy. He's like, okay, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're headed in the right direction. And it wasn't long that they were tithing on Cindy's whole paycheck, and they were like, yay. But they found out they didn't go broke. God was actually blessing that they were reaching out with all the faith they had. And after a while, Kenny started tipping on top of her tithing. And now you couldn't beat tithing out of Kenny because he's got enough word under his belt to know that, that is, God is not lying. So, you know, I understand that God, you know, you're in a situation and it's not exactly right. Go and pray about it and have the Lord show you what to do, especially if you've been in relationships with, you know, I'm, you know I, mean, I, I understand some women have got five kids by a guy and never been married. I, my heart goes out to you that you, this has been a long, you know, you just need to go, Heavenly Father, what do I do about this? And I'm not going to tell you, you're, this, is, this is between you and God. I'm not even going to go down that road because, you know, y'all understand where I'm going from. But, but if you're just shacking up with somebody, you ought to just. We had a lady in the church one day. She, she was living with a guy because, you know, he hired her and she was making money and, and she had free rent and free everything. And she got born again and she started coming under condemnation. No, 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 no conviction. And so she went to Lisa and said, what do I do about it? She said, well, just ask him if you can rent the bedroom. And she went, oh, okay. So she, she did, and she cut off relationship with this guy. And, and he, he, he wasn't in love with her. He was just using her. And, and she started, she just wanted to walk with God. And finally a family member called her and said, Mom, we've got a house for you. Well, she took it to God and prayed about it, and God provided her needs for her. You know, and, and I'm not going to look at you and tell you not what to do, not, what not to do. But I am going to tell you you ought to pray about it. Because really, God's expecting you to start acting like the Bible's true. Are you out there? Okay. So the next thing that we're going to... So repentance means to make a decision. The next, the next place that they went into is called the laver. That the high priest went from the, bra, the, the brazen altar to what's called the laver. The laver was a bowl of water, and it was also a mirror beat out of bronze for him to look at himself and see how he's doing. 
Now, here is where I'm going to spend a few minutes with you. God is not answering the prayers. Let me say it this way. Obedience is faith. Did you get that? Obedience is faith. Disobedience is doubt and unbelief. How are you going to use your faith for healing while you're disobeying God? The very mark of faith is obedience to the word. That's all faith is, is God said it and you went, okay, we're going to do that. Now, it doesn't matter whether you agree or disagree, obedience is faith. So the only thing that pleases God is faith. So you can't say that obedience is legalism. Because it's not. You're saved by grace to faith. You obeyed God by accepting Jesus. But, but he didn't turn around and make you lawless. As a matter of fact, Paul Young Cho made this statement. He said the Spirit of God told him to go back to the Ten Commandments. Now, when you bring that up in American church today, they're like, we're not on the Ten Commandments. Well, I said it a while ago. Let me say it to you this way. Let's pretend I walked in here tonight and said, you know, guys, pray for me. I had a really flesh flash today. I was up on the, on the road up here, and a guy got out and, you know, he called me a bad name, and I, I shot him. I just, and, um, and, and so, you know, and I went back, and I really felt bad about it. I, really, I felt bad about it. And I said right there, and I got down on my knees, and I said, God, please forgive me for a fit of anger. But I really don't have time to call the police because the police are in the church anyway waiting for me to come preach. And so uh, I just stuffed his body back in his car and stuck it on the side of the road and prayed for his family and, you know, to hell with him. How many of you, now honestly, how many of you would buy that? Anybody in here? Why do we throw First John out like it, really? Oh, I had an oops. That's not an oops. And I robbed, ah, we were running out of money. I robbed 7 Eleven. And I mean, I, I'm going to pay it back one day. I mean, y'all tell me something. How long would I be here? I mean, God forgives. What's wrong with y'all? Why are we using the grace of God as an excuse? Why did we take the Ten Commandments and chunk them out like they didn't mean anything? Folks, listen, that's not right. That's not right. Jesus actually tightened up on them. Murder is not just bad. Hating is, new, is the new murder. Adultery is not, oh, that's Old Testament. Now, don't even check her out at the beach. Flesh? You ain't married that girl. Am I okay? I mean, I'm doing okay already. I mean, you know, I, I understand. So when Paul Young and Cho said he went back to the Ten Commandments, I understood what he was saying because the Ten Commandments are still true. What it is, it's a way for you to look in the labor and go, how am I doing God? Now, you could use the book of Proverbs. You can use the Sermon on the Mount. But, you know, there's a lot of... There, you know, we're, we're, real, we're real good with Ephesians 1, 2, 3, but actually there's 4, 5, 6. And see, 1, 2, 3 is the brazen altar, but 4, 5, 6 is the labor. That's good preaching. Thank you. 
And, and I don't think that God, I don't think you're going to get into the Holy of Holies until you're sincere about doing what he said. And you will never please God until you decide you're going to. There is no accidental gardens. If you see tomatoes and okra and corn growing, someone is cultivating the field. You didn't go out there and go, yeah, look at that, it just grew. No, the only thing that just grows is weeds. And Christianity is like a man who sowed seed in the field. If you're not going to cultivate a relationship with God, you will not have one. And you will not get your prayers answered. That's good preaching. Now, I'm going to tell you where I start. I'm going to get back to this in a minute. But there, when I got born again, the day, I say the day, I don't, it was either the, I don't remember when I was in my room, that night or the next day. I, I don't, I'm not Kenneth Hagin. I don't know what date it was. I just know it was right after. I'm in my room smoking a joint to celebrate being born again. I'm celebrating. I'm saved. Going to heaven. And the Lord said, you don't need that. Now, I had no idea that Jesus in your heart meant Jesus in your heart. I thought it was a song we sang when we were kids in, in, in church. I've got Jesus in my heart. You know, it means I just love him. with my... But he was actually in there talking out of my body. And he said, you don't need that. And I'm like, y'all got to give you a visual. Where are you? He said, you can breathe now. <laughs> no, he didn't really. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. He didn't say that. I said to him, I said, well, who said that? He said to me, Jesus. And that shocked me. I mean, I know you're in Atlanta in the crusade, but not in my bedroom. You're not in my bedroom. I understand you're in church, but this is my bedroom. I said, where are you? He said, I'm in you. And I went, that's a strange thing to me, that he was actually in there. I mean, it's like everywhere I went, he was like, are you still there? <laughs> You're over here, too? You're over here? He said, I'm inside you. I said, what are you doing in there? It was just like to me, that's a dumb thing. Why well, you want to move on the inside of me? That's like, hey, bear, don't you have like a building downtown? And the... <laughs> you know, when you're a sinner and you get saved, you don't know anything, you know. And he said, no, you asked me in. I said, I did do that. I did. He said, put, put the dope down. Get the Playboys out. My brother had given me a stack of Playboys. I mean, there, there was a lot of money in my bedroom. I mean, that was worth some dough. He said, get them. Get the beer. Get the booze. Get the dope. And my rock and roll music. And find a dumpster. And now, you understand that the loving, loving Jesus is now in my bedroom telling me what to do. Like, sweet Jesus. So I, I took all of my Playboys and my rock music and my dope. And I, well, no, I didn't do the dope. No, I didn't. I sold the dope and paid tithes on it. I, I still, I'm, 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 I'm evolving a little bit. But you all understand that. 
You know, I got to tell this. Tanya's in the room, and this is she'll she, she'll be the one that understands it. One day, I looked out my window when I lived in in Lawrenceville, and, and the cops were at the front of our apartment complex and behind me. And I ran upstairs and took my dope and flushed it down the commode. Went downstairs, flushed it down the commode. Went upstairs, flushed it down the commode. Went down, and I, I did this for five minutes as frantically as I could run. And they busted the guy next door. <laughs> I went. I want my dope back now, you know. It's just, so anyway, that, that day I went, <laughs> I went out and I, and I got everything out. But, but the Lord said, I got a call of God on your life. I want you to come on and get your Bible and come on. He was requiring me to walk in obedience. And then he got me a job. He, he said these words, man that don't work, don't eat. You're worse than an unbeliever. Get a job. Get out of here and go get a job. That's what I've been trying to get a job. He said, I'll get you a job. At a fiberglass plant, God, seriously, I thought Jesus died for me. It's bad enough you buy it and put it under your house, but you work in it every day? Anyway, I got a job, and he got on. He told me I had to get there on 15 minutes early and work late and keep your mouth shut. I mean, he, but he started fathering me. And I'm going to tell you something. I got my prayers answered because he put the fear of God in me. Not, a, not afraid of God, but a fear of God. He's God. And he taught me right off the bat, he thoroughly expects me to obey him. That's why he told me he didn't want me to go to church. That's not legalism, guys. He was, when you ask God to help you, if you want help, you, you're going to need to listen, and you might need to make some changes. He's not trying to make your life worse. He's trying to make it better. You're the one has got it all screwed up. Okay. So you understand that when you, when you walk into church and they say, These are, this is what the Word says, it is for your and my benefit that we do that. Praise God for rain. Amen. So, so listen to this. The laborers are looking grass. Um, go to Matthew 22. So when you get on the, when, when you open up the Bible and you go to the Ten Commandments, and that's, that's where he said the Lord took him, and I went over there myself, and I began to read, and I'm going to be honest with you, David, I can't remember the last time I read Ten Commandments. How many of y'all just go and read the Ten Commandments, just read them? I mean, I kind of knew a couple things were in there, but it's not exactly like Paul wrote them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So for me to go back over there and read them, and I begin to go, well, you know, this is actually pretty good. What's the first one? Does anybody know? You're probably like me. Have no other gods before me. How's that for New Testament? Absolutely. Look at Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that they had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Go fast. And then one of them, a lawyer, said a question, tested him and said, when Jesus... Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Next. And he said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. We're in the New Testament, aren't we? The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Keep going. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So here, here is number one. When you're in prayer, you need to look at yourself and ask yourself a question. Is he number one or not? Amen. 
That's a, that's a tough question to ask yourself when you're, you know, how bad do you want your prayers answered? Because in America today, he's not, he's in our life, but he's not always numero uno, you the band, you the boss, you, nobody bigger than you in me. That has, that has nothing to do with anybody else in this building. It has nothing to do with who you're married to. That's between you and God. That is a New Testament Bible commandment that every church, every Christian is not only supposed to know that's the foundation of our faith. If he's not number one, stop right there. You're not going into the Holy of Holy. You're not going in. He, you, are y'all out there or do you go home? Now, now this, is, this is important because Kenneth Hagin made a statement one time. He said the Lord told him that while he was on the bed of affliction, though born again, that if he didn't quit worrying, he was going to die. And the Lord said, worry is a sin. Amen. Oh, okay, I'm coming back over here. I mean, I, I, I left y'all and came over here and it, it's deader over here it is with y'all, y'all. Now, you stop and think about that for a minute. We don't think like that. But when he gives you a commandment, be anxious for nothing, he means be anxious for nothing. If God is God, you don't have a thing to worry about. So Brother Hagin laying on the bed had to get over the fear of dying in order to get healed. What am I going to do? Nothing, Kenneth. You're on the bed dying. What are you going to do, buddy? When you're, when you're broke, Quit worrying. When your marriage is falling apart, quit worrying. When everything ain't going good, quit worrying. That's good preaching. But you know, we go back to this thing that, that he said, have no idols. An idol is anything you love more than God. And it, listen, it can be your job. Let me say something to you right now, and I'm going to hair lip bear creep. If you can't make money in six days, you can't do it in seven. If God can't get it to you, you ain't that good. But yet we have people that their identity is in their paycheck. And if they don't, I mean, there, I had a man who came one day and he looked at me right here in this section and said, you need to hurry up and get done. I got a car I got to sell at one o'clock. And I went, that's your fault. You should have told him too, dummy. You know I don't stop at 12. I mean, I'm getting chewed out that I'm going to. I said, go to the Baptist church. They got, you'll be out dead straight up, dude. I shouldn't have said that. Father, forgive me. See there, I just sinned. I should have left the Baptist alone. I mean, but they got a schedule and I don't. You know, now listen. Number one. Number one. That is the most difficult thing I have ever had to deal with in my soul wow. is making him Lord. I didn't, I didn't mind the healing. I got that. I don't mind preaching. I, I got that. But, but doing what you tell me to do, when you say do it, and uh, I don't think, I, mean, I want to say so in this. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm coming back over here. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to tell a story because you need to hear this. And, and yet, just, just hold your horses. Quit making plans and ask, asking God to bless them, and that's your prayer life. You're at the, the, you're at the, lev, the laver, 
and your own commandment number one, and you're going to give up your plans here or you're not going on. Pastor, pray for me. I'm dying. Is he Lord? I think so. I want to settle it right now. Now, when I went to Ramah, and, and of course, when you go to Ramah, you know you're called to preach. I mean, I'm called. And, and after I was uh, worked with Tom Copeland as a youth pastor and serving the Lord so diligently, I married Lisa. I am a miserable. See, when you're, when you're not walking with God and you're a Christian, you're more miserable than a sinner. I don't know whether you know that or not. You got relatives. Think about it. And I'm driving down Overland Road one day, and I'm going to work. And I hate going to work. I hate going to work. I hate going to work. Because it's not what I'm called to do. I'm not called to be a block mason. And the Lord said, finally, finally, after a couple of years of talking to him, you know, he's, he's patient. He's too patient. I want him to get a hold. I want him to answer his question. Prayer's a lot quicker than that. And he said to me, when are you going to do what I want you to do? I went, what are we, what have I been asking you? <laughs> what do you want me to do? He said, well, I'm not going to tell you. I said, well, how am I going to decide whether I will do it or not? You're not. You're going to tell me you'll do it. Or I won't tell you what you're going to do. Uh, oh, no. You know this thing about dying for the Lord? That's, he's serious about it. You might not be, but he is. I was afraid he'd ask me to pastor. Not that I didn't love y'all. I didn't trust me. I knew I was a construction foreman. By God, shut up and get out there. Act what I tell you. I mean, you, when you work construction, this is not for you. I had some growing to do, boy. I mean, God, if it wasn't for people like Betty praying me through, I don't know where I'd be. Barbara came along and helped her, and she said, help me, Barbara, help me, Barbara. <laughs> but I, I asked Betty the other day, she said, you're doing, you're doing a lot better. I said, thank you. That's good to know. But, you know, I had a come to Jesus moment. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have one if you want your prayers answered. God doesn't know you healing when you don't do what he says. Wow. I'm going to tell you another story. I mean, I'm just going to tell you stories as long as God leads me. T.L. Osborne one time was preaching in, down in Byron Hill, Columbia, and he told the story of a woman, a Catholic woman. I'm not anti-Catholic. Who, who was a rich woman who came up in a limousine, and she's in a wheelchair, and the, the guy got her out and put her in a wheelchair and pushed her out. She came for healing. And when T.L. Osborne gave the altar call, her chauffeur, which is a Christian, said, Ma'am, would you like for me to push you forward? She goes, No, I have my religion. She had those little beads. I guess they're made out of coffee. <laughs> if I had beads, they'd be coffee beans and I could crush them up. <laughs> Never mind, I'm just, God help me, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Nespresso. So she said, No, I got my religion. So? He prayed the prayer for, for people to be healed. She didn't get healed. See, a lot of times we go, now don't ever do this. Why? I'm going to tell you this right now. It isn't on God's end. 
If you're not getting your prayers answered, I'm going to tell you the culprit's in your bathroom mirror. Wow. You may not admit it, but it, it, it's you and I. Yeah, it's or it's Lisa. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I inherited that from Adam. The woman you gave me, that's the problem in this house right now. Come on, you men know exactly. You women know exactly what I'm talking about. Your husband, how many times he told you the problem, woman? All right. But after the Lord told me it's not her fault, now it boiled down to being me. Now that was hard to swallow. <laughs> now where was I in this story? Till Osborne. This lady did this three nights in a row. I'm just going to speed through this. The third night, she's sitting in her chair, and she looks up in the field, and Jesus is walking through the field. And he's laying hands on people while T.L. Osborne's praying. And she sees Jesus getting closer and closer and closer. And, and, she, and she can't move, but Jesus walked by her, and he never even looked at her. He completely ignored her. Sweet Jesus. Now, this woman has a decision to make. He's not playing a game with you. He paid a high price for you. For you to play, I got my religion. You got your religion, lady. Trust it. You just get the beads out and get healed because I ain't touching you. You got some of you Americans, you don't got beads, but you got a lot of other stuff you put your faith in. Anytime you get in trouble, I got to go to the beach. Well, you better get healed there because you ain't getting it in, at church. Don't shout me down. She said it broke her heart. She sat there and she said, why did you, you just walked by me, you just walked by me. Well, he did that out of mercy. So that night she says, take me home. Same, next night she says, you going back? She goes, yes, I'm going back. Well, she determined now. She got on that field and she listened to T.L. preach. And he said, ma'am, he says, you push me up front. I'm fixing to make Jesus Lord of my life. And the moment she prayed a sinner's prayer, she got out of the wheelchair. You know, just hold on a minute. We have a lot of people come up and fall down and get up. That's not God. That's you. Instead of getting in the prayer line, why don't you get up in the altar and get your life right? Ooh, thank you, Kathy. There, he's going to be number one or he's not going to be anything. That's good preaching. And this ain't legalism. The willing and the obedient eat the good lamb. Okay. Now, let's see if I can... Six, look at six, um, Matthew 6.24. How am I doing for time? Oh, I'm, that's good. Are you plugging it in? You want me to? Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. No one can serve two masters. You either hate one and love the other, or you're loyal to one and despise the other. You can't serve God in your job. You can't serve God in your career. You can't serve God in your money. Money is not supposed to be your highest goal. 
That's good preaching. But a lot of people is going, God, I mean, I just need some answers to this. I need some money. Yeah, and I want you to give me you. Now, see, there's where that's hard. I'll go where you say go. I'll do what you say do. You're the boss. Because I'm certainly not doing so good. Now, I said this when I started. When you, when you come out of the world like me and you have nothing, it's a lot easier to be a Christian. Yeah. I'm not giving up anything. I have anything to give up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have nowhere to go but up. Right. I don't even have any gas to get anywhere. I mean, I, it's going to be all God. There's an advantage to that, but here's the disadvantage. 45 years later when you have money, Now, what do you, now what do you, where's your faith? I'm glad you amened me. I appreciate that. You have no idea. Go to Luke 14, 15, and I'm going to go over there. Are y'all ready for this? I'm, this one's a, this was a Mac Daddy. This one's a good one. 14, 15. One of those who sat at the table said, had heard these things and said, Blessed is he who eat breads in the kingdom. He said, a, a, a certain king made a great supper and invited many. He sent, his, he sent his servant at supper time to those that were invited. Come, things are now ready. And they all with one accord made excuses. The first said, I just bought a piece of ground. Not a, no sin there. And I, and I must go and see it. I ask you, have me excused. And another said, I, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I need to test them. I, I need you to have me excused. No sin there. They're not, they're not living in sin. Another said, I just got married. My God, I mean, at least let me go on my honeymoon. You know, Lisa and I, we got married. She played her guitar, and, and, and I preached and gave an altar call at our wedding. The, the moment we got married, she reached down and picked up a guitar. And we turned to the people and said, this is what we will do as husband and wife. And Lisa led him in worship in our wedding. Amen. You, listen, we were serious. And then I got up and gave an altar call and prayed for people to get born again. And then I carried her out of the church. <laughs> now, I mean, we wanted to set a standard. I don't care if it's our wedding. We're preaching the gospel, baby. That's the number one with us. And I told Lisa that when I married her. I said, you're not number one. He is. And I'll go where he says go, and I'll do what he says do. And you might want to think about that before you marry me. Don't shout me down. I don't have time to play a game with you. Okay. You know, I mean, she may be pretty, but pretty ain't no good if you can't live for God. All right. And that servant came and reported these things, and the master of the house was angry. That's, that's a picture of God. He, I, I don't, I don't, are you all ready for me to say this? He's not interested in all your excuses. He can pay your bills. He can, he can make you a millionaire today. He's not interested in all your junk. He thoroughly expects to be number one. Amen. Not in your life. He is your life. And I'm not saying you have to be a monk or a nun. Never mind, boy, that went over. I guess I lost you with the coffee beans. I don't know where I lost you. 
Okay, I'm going to skip no carved images. I think we got that. And I think we got the don't take the name of the Lord in vain. But I want you to do this. Go to Mark 2. I got 15 minutes left. What about the Sabbath? Well, that's a, that's a man. Are you all ready for this? What about it? Why is it the only Ten Commandment that's legalism? Remember we talked about murder's not legalism. Boy, they, y'all have a short enough. And the inner Capernaum, after some days it was heard that he was in the house. No, that's Mark 2, 1. That's not it. Hold on. We're, you just messed up. You just messed me up. Mark 2, 23. Go to Mark 2, 23. See if you can find it. That's okay. I keep losing people because I chew them out and they just, they never come back. It happened as he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath that his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisee says, why do you do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said, have you never read that David, what he did was he was hungry and those with him? And he went in the house of God in the days of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for priests. And he gave some of those who were with him. And he said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Stop right there. Why did God give you a day, a Sabbath? You say, well, it's, it's, Sabbath is Saturday. Saturday is a day. Uh, the, the, the Sabbath in, in, a, in the Christian church changed to the first day of the week because Jesus rose from the dead. Now, the reason America is off work Saturday and Sunday is because our forefathers decided to honor the Jews, the seven-day Adventists, and the Christians. So instead of, t- instead of six days say you work, they, they put you to work five and gave you two off. So you could keep a Sabbath. You'd have a day off. Now, let me, let me make a statement to you if you're a businessman. God wanted you to not use people to make money. Give them a day off. He did it for your benefit. Now, listen to me. And, and I know that I'm going to have people that not like this. You don't have a right to not give a man a day off. You don't have a right to do that. I don't care if you are a Christian. Well, Sunday's our best day. Well, make it not your best day and trust God. Now, I understand someone like Tanya, you got policemen, you got firemen, you got, there's people, there's, there's no way they can do that, but it's really a hard issue. God made a day off for you. You should make it Sunday so you can go to church because there's an exchange of anointing you don't get listening online. Now, go back to number one. If he is Lord and he's number one, you, if, you're, if you're in fellowship with God, you want to be in church. If you don't want to, you're living a Christian life in your flesh. And you need to go back to number one and don't come to number two, Sabbath three, until you get that one fixed. Does that make sense to you? Because if you're, if you, if you're a Christian, you really want to be in church. I, I, just, I just love church. I just love church. Well, that's because you're in fellowship with God. But if you're like, oh, crap, it's Sunday. I mean, I wonder how long he's going to preach. I got some place. No, you, no, listen, you need to get right down now and get your act together because you've broken fellowship. You live, for, you live a Christian life in your flesh, it will wear you out. You can't live this without the Holy Spirit living it through you. 
And that's why people go, man, I'll tell you, Pastor Morgan, he just don't preach like he used to. And no, 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 no. It ain't my fault, Adam, it's you. I've done the blame game myself, so, you know. Let's look at another one here. Wow. Hebrews 10.25. I've got to go now. Hebrews 10.25. So why does the Bible make a big deal out of church? So let me make a statement to you. In the book of Revelation, church was a physical place. So write a letter to the churches. I know you're the temple, but you're not the church at home. You can't serve. When you don't go to church, you're self-centered. That's why you don't go. You're self-centered. You need to repent of being self-centered. Okay. I mean, that's, you want to know how to get your prayers answered? I'm trying to help you. If you're going to, selfish people don't get their prayers answered. I can serve the Lord at home. No, you can't. You're a part of a body, a community of believers, and you have something to bring and put in. Amen. And, and don't forsake, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. Like Mark Hagen said, some assembly required. As the manner of some, but exhorting one another much more as you see the day approaching. So church really is a physical building with a physical pastor and physical people. Remember the commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then who next? You're not, you're not serving your neighbor at home sitting and you're watching an internet. You're serving you. The only person you're serving is you. I just give me a lesson. I'm not giving lessons. Woo! Okay. I'm doing pretty good. I'm only going through two of these things, and I'm out of time. Let's go down the other ones real quick. Honor your father and mother. Good Lord. Let her go well with you. That's not just until you turn 21. Right, Tanya? That's right. Let me tell you something about your parents. They had 18 years with you, and it was not easy. And there's a little bit of payback going on here. How am I doing back there? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to help y'all back there, you know. I will tell you this. My mother moved in down here because I was the only one that would take care of her. And Lisa got her in an apartment at Calvary. If Lisa hadn't got her apartment, I don't know what in the world we'd have done. But she got to the place one day where she could not function. And she came to my house and I said, you can't live here. I have a spiral staircase upstairs, Mommy. I'm not having you dying in my house and 3 o'clock in the morning, boom, off, my mom fell off the staircase. You know. and, and at that point, she couldn't move around. She couldn't move. So I called my sister, and I said, hey, somebody come get her. Nancy came, got her, and put her in the basement, took care of her until she got to where no one, and they, they put her in a home, and Mark would go by and visit her occasionally, just go by and love on her and hug her until the day she went home on my birthday, September 21st. And... um but you know what? It, it's up to us. And, and I look back now and I go, I wished, I wished I'd have been more involved in her life. I won't tell you about, about my wife, Lisa. She took great care of her mother in her older days. Lisa would stop what she's doing, go to her mother's and take care of her. She took care of her dad. I'm going to tell you, the rest of the kids, they, you know, they called, how you doing? 
But Lisa was there, and she looked at me one day. She said, I will have no regrets. And she was there at the bedside when her mother left. And I'm going to tell you something. Lisa's a good lady. And it, you, it's going to cost you to take care of your parents when they get older. But they took care of you in diapers, and you might be taking care of them in diapers. They don't shout me down. Katie's going, no way, just shoot me. No, I didn't say that. I'm teasing. All right, let's look at another one real quick. I'm, I'm trying to get done here. How many of y'all understand what it takes to get your prayers answered now? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of things going on with people. Keep your mouth off of them. Believe them. You shall not covet. You know, you go down these things, and um, when, you're, when you're done, there's a cleanness that hits you when you know you're right with God. Do you all hear me? There, there is such a confidence when you know you've gotten on on your knees and said, show me everything in me you want me to change. And I've had times he said, I want you to go to so-and-so and repent and apologize. Yes, sir. You did so-and-so. Yes, sir, I'm wrong. I'm wrong, Father. I'm going to tell you something. You get to the place where you're willing and quick to get it right. Your faith won't work when your heart condemns you. And, and it's not God. It's your heart. Because you're not clean. I didn't say you were perfect. But you're as perfect as you know how to be. You're doing what you know is right. And, and I'm going to tell you something. When you do that, and that's only between you and God. Now listen to me. There are people in this room, you're doing things, and they're just normal to you. That there's other people wouldn't do them for the world. And I'm not talking about robbing banks and shooting people. And you hope we're a little past that. But to whom much is given, much is required. There comes a point when you know to do right, God's expecting you to do right. And just having a time in prayer where you're going in the throne room and going, let me take your word. Let me see how I'm doing. I want to come into your presence, but I'm going to have to get me some strength. Now, I'm going to tell you this. It's easier to do it on a daily basis than to wait a week or two. Heavenly Father, I'm going to be in here a long time. <laughs> and don't ever think that you, 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 everything you do is perfect. You didn't. You're not perfect. We live in a fallen world. I've been upset at people. I've had bitterness against people. I've had everything. You, I've gone through everything you go through. And get it right. Get on your knees and get it right. right. I had the Lord. I'm going to tell you this. And I'm gonna, I, got, I got five minutes. He woke me up at 4 o'clock in the morning. A real heaviness came on me in my sleep. I took authority over it and it didn't leave. And the Lord said, I want you to get up and go to your room. Go in your office. I said, Okay. And he said, I want you to pull that book on on Reinhardt Bonnke. And I went in there and I read it. And he said, do you remember what Daniel said? I said, didn't he say that he wouldn't come into heaven if he didn't forgive? He said, that's exactly right. He said, you have some things you need to get straight. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Thank God. Are y'all looking, looking at me like I'm just some kind of heathen? 
Y'all ain't never had nobody do y'all wrong? I mean, I wrote that song, baby. Somebody done done me wrong. Everybody in here has had people do you wrong. And it's the easiest thing in the world to go, yeah, I know, I forgave them. Jeannie, one day, Bowser just looked at me and she said, it don't sound like it to me. <laughs> I said, I have Jeannie, don't you worry about it. And Lisa said, now you're going to have to repent for being angry at Jeannie. That's a true story, isn't it, Jeannie? Well, I'm going to tell you something. We've had people do stuff. We've, and he told me, he said, here you are praying. I don't want you to deal with this. I wished I could tell you that I forgave him in 10 minutes. I, it, I had to do some praying. Get to, Father God, I'm not going to leave this room until I'm right with you. I mean, I had. I mean, the Bible calls it a root of bitterness. Don't let it go to root. It don't come up easy. Are y'all out there? You go home. There's way too much Christians right now. Turn, number one, if you turn the TV off. Why are you listening to what's her name? What's that lady's name? The Oprah Winfrey. If you're a Christian, you don't have any business listening to Oprah Winfrey. I got my truth. You got your truth. That's a lie from hell. I mean, all they know how to do is peddle strife and division. And you're listening to it all day and you're walking, you want to walk with God, it ain't happening. Turn it off. The Bible says, love your enemies and do good. Listen, you, you need to just get rid of the hate. Get it out of you. You want your prayers answered? Get it out of you. you be, y'all, I mean, I'm, I'm, I got two minutes and I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. How many of y'all enjoyed this? That night when I was sitting there listening to Paul Youngie Cho, I stopped and I went, Heavenly Father, thank you. I've been, I've been jumping up, going to the brazen altar and running right in the throne room. And going, ah, what's wrong here? He said, you got more steps. There's the candle. You need the Holy Ghost. You need to get full of the Holy Ghost. Don't go walking in there and just shandai, shandai three times and walk in. Yeah, you, no, 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 no. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost and worship God in the Spirit. You're not in a hurry. You want to get a prayer answered. You're going into the king, man. You, you get your heart ready. You, get, your, you get, your, get clean. Get yourself ready to walk in. And you do what he says. When you walk in, he'll say, what'd you come for? Well, Heavenly Father, I love you. I love Jesus. I'm clean now. I've done everything I need to do. And I have a situation I can't fix. Consider it done, son. Consider it done. That's good words. Twelve years ago, they told me I had a year. I had to get in the throne room. You know what I'm talking about? I didn't just go, I'm healed. I got on my face. I got some stuff straight. Has that been easy? No. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm not telling you to drag up something you didn't do and beat yourself. I'm talking about just the stuff that you know that you know. But just go down the list. Go, how am I doing? How am I doing with people? How am I doing with you? How's my love walk? And then you can get up and move right, right onto the candlestick and then to the mercy seat, the showbread, which is Jesus again, the, 
the bread that was broken for you. And then you can walk right into the Holy Holies. Right into the Shekinah glory. And he will meet you at the mercy seat and give you mercy. That's good news, isn't it? I want to pray. Father God, I looked forward since last, actually since last Friday or Saturday when you started talking to me. I couldn't wait to get here tonight because I, I, think, that, I think that what Dr. Cho said has been a sort of a missing link in people who we call faith people. Yeah, obeying you is faith. But I think we've kind of missed the fear of God or the reverence of God. I think we need to get back over there to it. We have people in here right now that we're standing on the word and believing you. Really, we, we might need to just get on our face. Just get in there and spend time with you. You're the Lord of our life. You died for us. You love us. You want, you want us well more than we want to be well. You want us blessed. You want our prayers answered. But there's protocol. There's protocol. One thing I didn't tell him, Father, is that the, the high priest had a certain robe he wore. You don't go in there in blue jeans. You go in there with a robe of righteousness. You go in there with your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. With the breastplate of right. And you go in there dressed. If we were called to the White House, we would go dressed. If we're called before dignity, we would go dressed. And sometimes we just need to put on. Put on the garment of praise. And put on robes of righteousness. We need, we need to dress up for you. You're a king. I pray that everybody in the sound of my voice would, would walk out here tonight with this one thing. I know that I know how to get a prayer answered. I may not have known it when I came here tonight, but I know how to do it now. And I thank you for it, and I give you glory in Jesus' name. Let me close with this one thing. I really enjoyed listening to Dr. Cho, and I'm going to tell you this. I, I don't think I could preach what he said as well as he did. I just recommend that it's called the, 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 the tabernacle prayer that the Holy Spirit taught him in Taiwan. And he said, since that day, the anointing has increased exponentially in his life. That's when he went from a few thousand members to a million. He said, the Holy Spirit, like quail, blew him in. I went, we'd like to have some quail blown in just as blowing people. Just blow a couple people in here. We can't do everything in our flesh. I know we all love God, but we, we're, trying, we're trying to do a lot of stuff that we can't do. And I'm going to tell you something. Just sitting listening to him really helped my soul. I went, okay, okay. I know how to do this. I was missing some stuff, but I'm not missing it now. How many of y'all have ever done that where you spent time with God and just got it all cleaned up? Yeah. And you walked out just knowing you were clean. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. 
from our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.